Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Chris. Uh, we have a super, super cool Tangerine Pod Chat interview coming at you right now as I clean my bathroom. Um, but Dave and I sat down, and we were lucky enough to have the privilege to talk to an absolutely incredible rapper, for, well, hip-hop artist um, from Houston, Texas. His name is Drake Lilly, a.k.a. Um, Antilily. Fucking awesome, really boom bappy, um, jazzy sort of hip hop that examines everything um, going on in the world and how you interact with your environment, but it's through a personal sphere, not dissimilar from something like uh, maybe say a little jazzier Kid Cudi or a more modern um, Tribe Called Quest. He talks about a, a hip hop artist called Blue in Exile, and I definitely suggest you check them out because fucking incredible. Um, but this is a super, super cool interview. I apologize for the audio quality since I had to mix it from a, uh, phone, but hopefully y'all take as much from this interview as Dave and I did. Here we go. What's up y'all? This is another little episode of the Tangerine pod chat with Chris and David. And today we have, uh, Drake Lilly. On the line, also known as Antilily, which is some badass hip-hop out of Houston. And um, I guess we'll dive right in. Um, so, like, your Facebook says you're from Houston. Um, are, yeah. you Houston. are you Houston uh, born and bred, or, like, did you move there from somewhere else, kind of? Elaborate yeah. a little on your childhood and, like, what high school was. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm from uh, Houston, born and raised. Uh, been out here my entire life, so it's a really, really big city. I think it's like the fourth largest city in the country, so I would be like from the east side of the town. You know what I'm saying? So that's it's a little bit outside the city limits. It's a little more community-based, a little more rural outside of the big lights of the city, but it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful city, man. It's Great place to grow up in, uh, experience some shit. Nah, but honestly, I don't think it's, it's too much different from any other city, man. You know, I think it really just depends on the environment you come up in. Yeah, um, I guess, um, like, were your parents, like, what, what kind of, like, drew you into music? Were your parents really into it, or do you have, like, some friends that, that, we're running around hip hop circles or like other independent music circles or what? Yeah, man. So it was it was great growing up because I actually like had my mom and my pops in the same house, which I don't want to say is rare, you know where I'm from, but that shit is like if you get that situation, you got to take advantage of it, right? So yeah, just it was all it's always music in the house growing up. You know, whether we cleaning the house, getting ready to go somewhere, like. My pops really big into like Isaac Brothers, Marvin Gaye, you know a lot of that that old soulful sound, that oldest rhythm type of music. And shit, my mom she she's more she's more with religion and everything. So I listened to a lot of gospel and shit growing up. Um, you know, right. Kirk Franklin stuff like that. And really, I would I would say my biggest influence when it came to hip hop, it'll be like my cousin. She was the first one to have a computer. Anytime I got to hang out with her, you know, she put me on MF Doom, Jay, you know, the like artists who wouldn't regularly hear just on the radio on the way to school and whatnot, you know. Hell yeah. Um, so like your sound is very, very jazzy, and like kind of has that sort of like boom bap feel a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you really attribute that to? Like growing up and hearing the Isley Brothers and like your mom's gospel music and whatever. Um, I think it's a little bit of everything, and I want to start by saying like Phonics, obviously, you know the guy who produced the, the whole album. He's like my muse, you know. Yeah. Like I, I have other sounds that I'm, 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 you know, I can fit into, but it's whenever me and him come together, that cohesion, you know. He really helps me, you know, tell my story, tell my experiences. But um, I think just being around music and having that appreciation for jazz definitely 
you know, made me more comfortable on that type of production. And even some of my other favorite artists that I listened to, kind of hearing how they how they would come on it. You know, I was a little more prepared, but I don't know, man. I just try to try to try to be as well rounded as I can, you know, and try to try to go on all of the sounds that influenced me growing up. But until I got with Phonics, I never really had the chance to dive deep into that type of production. So I think that's why it just comes off as so, so refreshing because it's like when you get that, I don't know, maybe, let me see. It's like you get that one present you've been waiting for, but you never got to use it. So you're really excited and you put all your time into it. That's kind of like when me and Fines get together because, shit, man, like I say, being from Houston, you don't really, like the sound is way totally different out here. So working with Fines, like having a chance to channel a different style while telling the same story, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, Phonics is, I mean, obviously, especially listening to It's Nice Outside, I mean, I, I, he's extremely talented, and that was one of the things that really drew me to that album um, was the jazz stylings and the beats behind it all. Um, is that, um, is he pretty much you you um, exclusively work with or is any other DJs um, or anyone else that, you have plans to work with, or are you pretty much sticking with Phonics? Oh, definitely, man. So, Phonics, that's my brother, man. You know, so I try to give him just as much acclaim as I get because it was a, a total team effort. But with that said, I don't, I'm not really one, I'm not really one to want to be like pigeonholed into one type of sound. The context of what I'm saying, the shit I'm talking about, what I'm going through, man, it's always gonna be the same and me and Phonics we always are going to have that working relationship but every project it, I'll, I'll be working with definitely different producers because you know different different beats bring different elements different stories and shit like that so right now I'm just trying to expand on the sound while you know staying true to myself at the end of the day so you know a lot of the shit you'll be hearing from me this year we'll definitely I mean, me and Funnish, we're always working on music, you know, but I wouldn't expect that to be the only type of sound you hear from me going forward. Okay. Yeah. Um, other question, too, going back to uh, where you're from in Houston, you said you're from the east side, Marlboro Rural um, community. Is it more rural or is it, uh, like you said, it was still, like, community-based. Was it, like, yeah. more rural, typical, like, Texas, like, what you think of when you when you hear Texas? Uh, no, not at all. Just having, having homies from, you know, Detroit or whatnot that come down here. I think everybody kind of thinks it's like all cowboy hats and, like, horses and shit. <laughs> I mean, that's the case, but not you don't you don't really see a lot of that in Houston. I mean, if you go to, like, Acres Home, you'll definitely see, like, folks on horseback at the red light waiting on it to turn green, but that, I mean, really my community is, I was really saying it's it's not in the big city. You know, we, we have like little developments and uh, it's more like an industrial side of the city, if that makes sense. Like a lot of the truck companies and shit are on my side of town. Yeah. Places, but uh, you definitely have <laughs> like if y'all come down here, I could definitely show y'all where to, where to find the cowboys at. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a lot. Houston is especially Houston. It's a lot lot more diverse. Uh, but we definitely got our areas, bro. But, uh, um, do you feel um, growing up in more of the um, outer city instead of more, more of the inner city? Do you feel that had more of an impact on you and your music? than say if you were born and raised more in an inner city, especially as a hip-hop artist, which is generally, um, which a lot of, especially early hip-hop and even today, comes from more of an inner yeah. city. Do you feel that coming from more of a rural uh, community has any different uh, effects on your inspiration for your music? I think as far as how, like, my story, you know, is of developing, definitely yes, because, you know, some of the topics that I'm going over, yeah, they've been, I mean, you know, hip-hop, you know, it's, it's been probably talked about before, but not really so much so from my perspective, because like you said, a lot of those stories do come from me in the city, whereas, you know, yeah, I, I, I've been through some of them same struggles, but I'm able to lend a different voice to it, so it's not the same, same you know, same story that, that we've been accustomed to hearing, so... I definitely think that's how how it's uh, impacted my sound the most. Cause at the end of the day, 
for the folks who want to admit it or not, you know, you are a product of the environment, you know, that you come from. So, mm-hmm. but, so shit, my environment, it was a lot like the whole the whole neighborhood, you know, would look out for each other. Like, if if my, my neighbors know I'm not supposed to be outside or get into some shit, like, if my, my folks ain't home, my folks are going to know by the time. They <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that type, type of shit I came up with, but... Man, it was dope though, man. It's it's really really dope coming up uh, where I came from. Hell yeah. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned like if you were outside like fucking around and you weren't supposed to, your parents were gonna know because like we're fucking miles away here in like southeast Ohio. It's rural Appalachian yeah. hills. But like one hundred percent if I was if I was off dicking around like I'll be damned the next day. My mom would be like, so, okay, uh, are you going to explain yourself what was up with this? And I'm like, motherfucker, like, do you have eyes everywhere? <laughs> just wait you to, to, you know, wait to catch you in the lobby. Probably want to even bring that shit up, you know, it might bring it up casually. Like, you know, what did you do yesterday? <laughs> just waiting for the bullshit to come out your mouth, you know? <laughs> that's what the town I currently live in now, there's like three last names and that's it. Right. Yeah. The whole town. So everyone. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of, yeah, so, you know, I, I can really get that where everyone knows everyone and you can't keep, uh, in a way, there's like no privacy, but it's also the sense of community and sense of togetherness that comes from that. Yeah, we, I mean, because shit, at the end of the day, we only looking out for each other. It's enough, it's enough bullshit that they're throwing on us, man. And that's what I took the most of my childhood is that really yeah. having, you know, shit, even when I got into some of the bullshit I got into, man, really, you know, the folks I was looking into, they, they was misguided. But at the end of the day, they was looking out for me, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though they got trapped on that hamster wheel, but. The intention and, and the spirit, should I say, like, it's always been good, even though we may not always, you know, make the right choices. You always, you know, look out for your other person. Uh, when you described your, uh, where you grew up, you, you know, you, you mentioned a few times, talk about a community, and you just said that we're looking out for each other. And, um, you know, I know that you're, um, at least you're, you know, lefty, leftist, he like um, I know uh, Chris has talked about where you mentioned you're not quite as radical as we are, but in that sense, do you feel that you're, um, where you grow up in that sense of, uh, you know, everyone looking out for each other, the togetherness, and again, the community, do you feel that has its own effect on your, uh, per se, lefty uh, politics or views? I mean, definitely, because, I mean, shit, y'all, we, we know what the reality of the, of the of the situation is like I can only speak on like I say this just goes back to to me having a dad growing up where I mean my mom de- it definitely didn't have to be the case because he, he did his dirt on the side but he was always like a, a stand up ass pops and he would always any chance he could prepare me for the world like hey man you like this world don't owe you shit you know what I'm saying when you, when you step out this door know that I love you, my mom, your, your mom love you, your sister love you, but nobody else gives a shit about you. Nobody is, you know, they have to. And, and with you being a black man, anything that you want in this world, you got to work twice as hard because we never, they've never wanted us to, you know, to, to grow. We got out of slavery and, you know, that just put new laws on us and shit. You know, got the protect, Jim Crow shit like that so you know I, I just appreciated having that and that definitely shaped my view of the world and even just seeing seeing things happen you know seeing the evil that men can bring that's definitely affected uh, you know my views on, on politics society it's just you gotta do for do for self and do for the ones who love you and if you wanna make a change you just can't talk on that suit you gotta actually get up out of here you know and take those steps yeah um you mentioned like jim crow and how like as a black dude you have to work twice as hard for fucking everything houston's a big ass city so what what is it like um 
how are their relations, like the police, how are their relations, like, with, I suppose, the black community? Yeah, um, I mean, I can only speak on, you know, shit, man, my partner scene, you know, in our environment. And what's fucked up is, and it comes back to the point I was saying, well, you have to start out twice as hard or work twice as hard. First of all, why, why should it even be that way, right? But most of my experiences, man, I had, the only time I really had a hard time with an officer was when it was like another brother. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't really, yeah, you know, they don't fuck around with you if they think you, you just out here soliciting, you know, fucking boys sitting on these streets or whatnot. But, like, as far as really getting fucked around with it's always this with me bro it's, it's been my own people and i don't know if, if it's because you know you felt like shit i'm in a position but they still watching me or shit yeah you know i, I may share the same badge as my partner but am i in the same rank as my partner so maybe i gotta beat up on this nigga twice <laughs> you know what i'm saying beat up on this nigga twice so i take this shit from him, you know like it's it's not it's not, um, you don't really hear a lot of bad shit from HPD. I think it really just depends on who's in that position. But I try to figure, I try to think, like, what, what pressure is this person under? What what is make this person be that way? Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, I, white officers, I really haven't had any, you know, any bad, like, my, my experiences come from, like, black police officers, which is the craziest shit to me, bro. Yeah. Oh, come on, fam. <laughs> it's like, what, what the fuck led you to, to, to don that badge? I mean, this isn't even, like, a serious, serious example, but, uh, shit, I'm riding around trying to get my inspection a few months ago. And I'm literally on the way to go get my tags. I'm like, and I get pulled over because my shit's my shit's expired. But bro, when I say I'm about a mile, I'm about a mile away to get my shit together. Oh my like, god! I'm like, bro, you can follow me, man. I ain't trying to bullshit. You. I ain't got. That's what I ain't have no AC, so I'm riding with no AC. I'm fucking sweating. And <laughs> You do take it ten minutes to look at my ID just to tell me like my I'm like bro I I know what I what I don't have I'm on my way to get it I wouldn't be in this hot ass sun but ain't yeah. the reason yeah it, it, it's like and they're pulling you over and they know you're a mile away from yeah the from the <laughs> now, like here I think last weekend um my wife had to get um like a new tag for my for like a new sticker for my license plate. Yeah. Because around here, evidently, like, people will fucking steal them off of cars that have, like, valid registration because they don't want to, like, pay for it. Yeah, I get or, that. Or, like, they can't pay for it. I would do that. It's everywhere, bro. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we take paper tags out here. You don't even got to have a signed car. What? Yup, man, I had, uh, I had a Ford Taurus a couple of years ago. Um... It had, like, you know, the 30-day, do y'all do the 30-day tag out there? Yeah, yeah. I had some fucking 30-day tags on it, bro. I'm headed to work. And I'm like, what the fuck is my, like, they ripped out, like, the through the plastic, took the paper out. And what they do, they just tape it to another car because if the cop ain't paying attention, he only sees, like, the expiration date. Yeah. That shit, that shit definitely go down everywhere, man. That's a genius. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's, it's gotten worse here because, like, we have, like, the whole, like, opioid crisis. Like, yeah. the heroin epidemic. We are in the fucking middle of it. It is awful here. Right down the road is Huntington, West Virginia, which is the overdose capital of the world. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you got, what do y'all think is the cause of that, of, of, um, that dependence? Of, uh, well, I think um, a lot of um, what, what I think is a lot of different factors. One factor is um, there's a lot of coal mining and uh, there was well there was and a lot of manufacturing jobs and a lot of work injuries related to those. So um, over the course of its, uh, the past 20, 30 years, especially with um, companies like Purdue Pharmacy pushing and pushing those kinds of drugs such as oxycontin. Yeah. Um, 
all these, these people around here who um, got all those prescriptions from work-related accidents, from also being, of course, members of poor working class, um, having to work through injuries, yeah. which only worsen those injuries. And so okay. the answer was just, you know, uh, to give them pain medication, especially over the last 20, 30 years since the uh, invention of Oxycontin. So I think that's a big part of it too. And of course, those, as those people age, um, they um, are getting constant supply of them. Their other family members are able to get a hold of that. And of course, once you can't get more of the opioids, you're more likely to turn to heroin. Another version, yeah. Another version, of. Um, that's it. It kind of like this. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it kind of reminded me of like, you know, how they did the soldiers at war. They they just spiked them up on that, uh, what was that shit they was giving on the. Morphine. Yeah. yeah. Meth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't worry about cutting me off. Uh, but. Um, I think a huge part of it is too, like I live not even a mile, like I live not even a mile from the bridge into West Virginia and a lot of employment, um, is in West Virginia. And like my dad worked there like four or five years ago and got injured at work And West Virginia's workman's compensation is dog shit. And the, like, the doctors they send you to are, like, they don't give a shit because they're not getting paid or they're not getting paid, like, the big money that they want. And, um, like, so he spent, like, a year and a half, like, running around trying all of this shit that doesn't work. And now, like, he's been out of work for five years and can't get another job because he can barely, like, just he, his like day, his quality of life is like plummeting, and all because of this little neck injury that turned into something bigger. And then often too, when you're unemployed, you can't get a job. You're down in your luck. You're more likely to turn to a form of escapism. Yeah, that idle time, man. That idle time is a bitch. And, exactly. And uh, where we're at too, right in the Howe Valley, the cross section of Interstate 70 and Interstate 77. And um, I think around like 80% of all opioid traffic in the United States actually goes through our area. So, um, yeah, so you have instant and immediate uh, surplus of it everywhere. And if you, it's, so if you need to get your fix, it's, it's right there. And also our health care and mental health in this area is dog shit because it's practically non-existent. So, yeah, there's all kinds of trickle down type of shit. All kinds of factors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like. The, the do- we don't have the greatest doctors here and we actually have like a doctor shortage for the area because like the state and like Medicare and Medicaid pays out on a lesser basis um, for um, places like this because our standard of living while it's cheaper um, they, they, they pay out on like a pay scale so like if you're in Pittsburgh which is an hour away from your Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania you'll make more than if you're a doctor here, although it's just an hour difference. But, like, yeah. four or six people in this area, you that hour is fucking huge because you can't get transportation. Yeah, your transportation is not good. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I did not expect to have that, have you uh, throw that question at us. So, it, yeah, um, it's, something, <laughs> it's, it's something we're well-versed around here. We deal with, you know, daily. Yeah, just trying to get a feel on, you know, how shit is. But, yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's like, I don't even know how I want to put this. It's like, it, it's, it's so many problems and people grow numb to them or if they care, it's like not that you can't get enough people to care. Or it's like, you, you know what you want to do, but it's so many different directions, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of the people who need to do these, you know, who need to help and do these things uh, for the community. Um, so, you know, such as protesting, petition signing, uh, volunteer work, they can't because, you know, you're stuck working 80 hours a week just to get by. Yeah. And you're stuck exactly. there. You don't have the, so not only would you not even know where to start with all these directions, but you don't have the time or the funds to even participate. Which is my opinion. I think the way society is set up now with how easy it is for everyone to react to shit and look at shit, it's like, it's so easy to grow numb to it, and, and you know it's it's nothing to you know put a tweet of, about what you want to do. Or, you know, mm-hmm. 
put yeah. your goals out there, but when a lot of folks is, is like faced with the weight or the reality of, you know, their situation, it's like, oh, shit, well, nah, I'm good. You know, it's too much work. Yeah. Any, anything, any change that's ever come across, man, it takes sacrifice. It takes shit. Sleepless nights, it takes loss. It takes all of that because you got to grow and it may not change with, with your generation, but at least you putting that awareness out there. Yeah, that's Black History right there. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I'll I'll kind of uh like shoot the sentiment back to you. Yeah. And like, does Houston have like any sort of big like I suppose like sweeping drug issue? Like, it's a result of like a bunch of like poor I mean, folks yeah. that that aren't getting what they fucking need, and so they turn to escapism like they do here. Um, because I know that some cities are like rediscovering like meth or crack. Yeah, yeah. And it, fucking that meth. That meth shit is really what um, surprised me the most. Just, just personally, you know, I don't want to go into the details and the specifics because it's like people I know. But like when you find out, like, like hold on, what motherfucker? You were like, what are you doing? Like that shit, it should it, it, see the deterioration of some what they could do to somebody. But like on the bigger scale, I think in the city we we had a really, really, really big problem with the codeine. Um, that shit got discontinued, you know, and but see, we lost a lot of our OGs, a lot of a lot of stand up people behind that addiction. But now, I mean, every everyone, I honestly feel like everyone. Uh, has an addiction, you know, and I think one thing that's really sweet in the city now is, like I said, on pills, bro. Yeah. Pills are crazy uh, out here, but I think it's more so with, with, like, folks my age and a little bit under me, and then you got, you know, them fucking antidepressants, like those. I just I just think, you know, like, what if somebody was to, to go a week without their antidepressants, like, how, how that would turn them out. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a little more widespread just because there's so much area, so many people. Yeah. Um, with the with the lean, you don't really see, like, it's not really, like, that was something that was glorified. I don't want to say glorified, but in my youth, that's something that I heard a lot. You know, in music, I, I saw it being used a lot, and now I see it. Since it was discontinued, you know, and with all the deaths, like it, it transferred more outside the city. But you know, now the, the young kids, you know, the hip hop community, yeah, it was picking up on it. And now you kind of see, you know, with, with some of the folks that we lost this past year, the past few years over that shit. But yeah, man, at the end of the day, whether it, whether it's weed, coffee, alcohol, I think everybody's addicted to something, man. Yeah. yeah, he gets really fucking pissed because I take a break every 15 minutes when we're recording to go smoke a cigarette. Yeah, he's he's a, <laughs> the fucking worst. <laughs> and, man, you got to live your best life. <laughs> <laughs> but, shit, man, I, got, I drink coffee, like, all day long. That's why I was laughing at y'all earlier. Like, he is on his second cup. Since we started, and I had, I had six cups during my shift last night. <laughs> yeah, that shit is real. Like, then my girl was about to punish. I'm like, bro, minus all of the murder and, like, gangster shit, like, I could be the punisher with all the confidence, man, drink, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like liquid cocaine. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. When we were in, um, we were went to college together for a little bit. I tried to quit smoking, and after like day three or four, this fucker throws a pack of cigarettes at me. He's like, "Please start smoking again." Yeah, I, I was like, "You become a fucking." That's, a, that's a real friend. Fuck that. That's a real friend, bro. Because <laughs> he's telling you like, I I don't know who your truth who you are when you don't smoke, but I really don't like this person, and if this is what's gonna make you happy, then I'm gonna just deal with it. I was like, please quit when you're not in college, and I don't live <laughs> next door to you. Holy shit. <laughs> Probably got hella annoying or frustrating. Yeah, I, oh, I was an asshole. It, it, like, I, I'd be listening to music, and he might, like, it, it, in your fucking college dorm, like, your walls are paper thin. Yeah. So you're like, the slight reverberation, he'd knock on my door, and he's like, can you turn it down? I'm like, 
Fuck you, you piece of shit. I need to turn my sled up. Turn your shit down. Your shit's on 14. I need it to be on 12 right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess reining it in a little bit, um, like, you, you, you mentioned Cody, and on the way, um, like, setting up, like, getting ready to record this, um, I actually was talking to Dave about um, how that was so popular in, in like, Houston's scene. Like, because it didn't didn't Houston kind of give give birth to uh, what is it what the chopped and screwed sort of hip hop genre? Yeah, um, that you know Robert Davis RT, you know DJ screwed that him screwed up quick. That it really brought that sound, um, created that sound. Should I say? And it was it was dope, man. Cause shit, you know I be riding with my big cousins, and you could just hear hear the fun that they would have because what Screw would do, man, like, you know, he'll remix them, you know, he'll just top like uh, that that Warner, right? He'll he'll slow down that Warner from B.I.G. Yeah. down, top it up, and then all the homies would just get high, be drunk and shit, just freestyling, and that'd be the song. And, and, and that was like the culture, you know, part of the culture yeah. for the while, you know, but um, you know where the city is now, I mean, I I don't want to say it's moved on, but it's grown from that because, yeah, that shit was cool back then. But like I say, that's how we lost a lot of our legends. Yeah. You know, behind that Texas seat. But, you know, it's something I haven't really even tried before, just off the fact, like, at the young age, I saw how it was doing to people. Like, that shit turned you into a fucking zombie. Yeah, so like, right. Walking Dead. So I'm like, bro, I want to be able to. Like, I smoke and drink and shit. Like, I want to be able to, like, be co coherent, you know, and be able to move around and not be drooling out the fucking mouth. Yeah, yeah, you want to be able to, you know, enjoy your, your high times. Yeah, that's, like, too high. I don't want to be too high, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, because I listen to some Chopped and Screwed, um, like, stuff at work. Like, not, no one really specific. I'm not... Like, I guess too fluent in the world of world of hip hop, but I'll just like throw on some like chopped and screwed remix. And I was listening to some interview with some some rapper, I can't remember who, and they said that that shit is is just straight up like liquid heroin. And I was like, wow. I was like, so so you see that parallel with like predominantly like the black community, and then you see like the pills and heroin and the opioids of of the white community and I'm like there's there's some intersection here. So yeah. everything come full circle because I feel honestly I'll be honest with you, I feel like yeah, I know that I know terms get coined and shit, but I feel like it's always been a an opioid crisis, bro. It's always been a drug crisis, but now it's just we're in a generation where everything has to you know, have a title. Like, shit, you think about it, bro, they, with the GI Bill and shit, right? They move yeah. all, these, all these families, all these white families into the suburbs. They stack us on top of each other. And, you know, they do that in, in a sense of saying, okay, if we keep them together, they'll destroy each other. But what happens is we don't destroy each other, right? So what do you do next? Okay, let's flood the streets with this heroin. You know, let's, let's flood the streets with this crack and shit. Yeah. And you get the shit. You get the results you want, but at the end of the day, you know, you got shit like Quaaludes and shit being exposed, and those are called, like, cosmetic, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, it's not it's not heroin. I know it's pretty much the same shit. Your shit exactly. It looks a little sexier. You know what I'm saying? That's the only yeah. difference. <laughs> but it's, I feel like that shit's always huge in the black community, you know, ruined a lot of homes. But mm -hmm. I think, like, even if you just study the world, like, Drugs, drugs has always been a huge part of the culture because it's that that escapism, you know, yeah. some reality, um, shit. Some religions, some people religious, some cultures religiously get how to connect to like spirits and shit, like so. Yeah, the Romans and the Greeks literally had a god of like wine and party. Yeah, Dionysus. Yeah. But nah, man, I'm, you know, veering off. But yeah, it's always. I think addiction has always been a problem, and it always will be. But I think, you know, having that awareness, 
Well, you know, I'm staying away from idle time, keeping your mind busy, that helps with a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to shoot a question back about the music. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's nice outside. Um, some of the uh, passages, especially the um, production behind it, reminds me of my favorite uh, um, rapper and uh, DJ uh, combination of um, idea and abilities. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if there was just any influence in there or anything, especially his last album, By Your Throat, or by, um, which is one of my favorite pieces of art ever. But I was just curious if there was any sort of influence or anything with uh, that from him. Because, again, there were certain parts that really give that. You said it's called uh, Ideas and Abilities? Ideas and Abilities. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never even heard of that combo. i got to get on them. Um, idea is spelled, um, I believe uh, it's Michael Larson. Um, he passed away from um, an opioid overdose, actually. But uh, you look at that. It's, it's, yeah, it's idea, but it's spelled E Y E D E A. Okay. Idea. Yeah. And then he has um, By the Throat, is the album, and it is phenomenal. I definitely want to uh, check that. Yeah, hip hop. I got them. I just Googled them. But uh, I will say. Um, just being a student of hip hop, I definitely wear my influences uh, on my shoulder because I think it's important. That's 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 the huge part of Black history as well. Um, you know, hip hop and the beautiful thing about the genre is everyone, whether they they admit it or not, um, you know, you you take from your influences, right? You want to leave, but it's all about recreating it. And so you you do two things you you bring attention to like uh, artists that that may not have uh, you know a person may not have known about and then you move the culture forward. But um, I'm not sure if y'all ever heard like Blue and Exile. No, I can't say I ever have. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a uh, they have an album called Below the Heavens. It came out like in uh. 2007, and that was a big, you know, Exile did the production, Blue, just like BLU without the E. Yeah. He was the, he was the MC, um, and, you know, that the vulnerable, like, the thing that stood out about that is how vulnerable he was, you know. He wasn't as afraid to talk about what he was going through instead of just, okay, this song is going to be about this topic, that's all. No, he's actually diving deep, you know, telling, telling, um, his past experiences, Lupe, um, Lupe Fiasco is another yeah. big influence. Uh, Jay Z, some artists down here, Zero, Trey, you know, just having not not being afraid. And I think that's what makes people, uh, you know, especially guys like you, you know, have us be able to have this conversation. It's like I'm not afraid to 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 be myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, see, we barely even been talking about music because we really just been having a you know, cool last conversation. So, you know, those those are the artists who influence me the most. Like, shit, man, what you see is what you get. I'm, yeah, I rap, but I'm not necessarily playing the role of a rapper. I'm just being myself. Yeah, yeah it's like that's definitely what makes the best music too. Yeah, yeah I agree a thousand percent. Um, yeah, like like you said, that that's what this is kind of like all about. We go in and we're like. As, as we're preparing, we're like, wow, hope this hope this interview isn't stiff. But yeah. thus far, like, everyone's just been super conversational and just really, like, yeah, we'll touch on music, but everyone just kind of wants to to tell their story and, and even, like, learn a little about, like, our story and, like, what's up. And it's, it, like you said, it's just a, a cool-ass conversation. That, yeah, that's, you know, that's, like, the, that's the best kind of communication and something that you... That you see, but you know, maybe um, open and more honest communication is something that's avoided a lot. Um, as when you back to earlier talking about being, you know, more numb to situations and disasters and issues that we see all the time. But sometimes it just takes, you know, open, honest, free expression. Yeah, even even with like conflicts, because a lot, a lot of reason why things don't get resolved is because folks don't have that initial conversation. So, you know. I'm on this side with my opinion and then yeah. on that side. But me said I always feel like 
the truth is always somewhere in the middle. You know, that's why, you know, you got to come together with people, you know. Like, shit, I got in a lot of trouble growing up because I asked the word why a lot. And yeah. it's, not, it's not that I'm a smart ass. It's not that I think I know everything, but it's, I really want to know why you feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's 100%. Yeah, you know, the curiosity. That's the, yeah. that's the whole draw for, you know, what we do. If a motherfucker comes in and be like, okay, black lives don't matter, and I voted for Trump and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like, okay, stupid motherfucker, but at the same time, I'm going to be like, why, I want to know why you feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I want to know why you feel that way, right? Um, like, I met a black person today that wasn't this hyper-aggressive, angry black man character, and we just fucking had a conversation. And maybe black people aren't all so bad. You know, like, that type of shit I be on, bro. It's like, I'm not trying to change the world, but, like, you're not just trying to tell me some shit, and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, nah, bro, if I don't, I don't understand, just, just just show me why. And don't think I'm being a smart ass. Exactly. Hey, well, <laughs> yeah, no, what's on is free communication. Um, also, you know, a lot of, um, we forget the importance of, that arguing is not a standoff thing, you know, arguing yeah. thoughtful yeah. discussion is how you further, you know, advancement and understanding. Is arguing the can and should be a good thing and a productive thing. Yeah. And I think the, the fear of confrontation, the fear of argument is why there's a, now like a quote unquote what what they call that shit like alt right and then you got a far left. I'm like, bro, like we we all fucking citizens, bro. Everything is fucked up. Nobody's perfect, but yeah. what makes the what makes the most fucking sense out here, bro? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's what it's all about. Like it's always gonna be fucked up, you know? Yeah, like we're definitely like you said. There's the all right and the far left. Like we we are we we are that far left. We but, never take right turns. <laughs> but um, yeah, bro, <laughs> like, driving in circles all day. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, like, no, like, I, I have family members and, like, some folks I know back here that, that, like, don't, don't really understand, like, the whole, like, Black Lives Matter thing. And, like, they'd be talking about it, and I'm like, mm. I'm like, well, let's take this back a little bit, and then, like, we'll, we'll hash it out, we'll have a conversation, and yeah. then, like, we'll talk about, say, the police or something, because that, that's a huge, that, that is, like, pretty much the cornerstone of the movement. That's what kind of spurned it, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll talk, to, I'll talk to these folks, like, rural white people that probably voted for Trump. Yeah. Um, that did vote for Trump. And it's like, these poor white motherfuckers don't like the police either. No. Right. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, my uh, an example, I always use an example of my father on this, on this show, but he... He's the person who voted for Trump. He's an ultra conservative, but he has a complete and utter distrust of police in the state. And, and so this has, you know, and there's still that that complex relationship with the um, with that certain people, especially in this area, and those who you who are rural, white, and conservative, have these complex relationships with both the state and race. And with their own um, their own issues in life as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think what the big thing is why like so many folks get like up in a fucking tizzy over that when they hear Black Lives Matter is like I'm just being real, bro. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna say the white privilege thing, but you when you when you come up with the sense of it, you know, I don't, I don't even want to say entitlement, but. The, the struggle with the struggle was never the same. It won't be the same. No. So when you hear Black Lives Matter, of course the 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 fucking uh, reaction is gonna be, oh, what about white lives? Don't what the yeah, fucking white lives matter? You know, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and usually they tell you the Irish are persecuted too, or some shit. Yeah. But, I mean, but but where but where you really though? Cause yeah. What, what is, because what is the definition of white when you think about it? Nothing. White is something that you earn. You understand? Like when the fucking Italians and shit came over. The, the, you know, they weren't white people. They was, yeah, they had their hardships, but guess what? You're white now. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You earn that shit. 
we we been disenfranchised. You know what I'm saying? I don't know my last name. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The fact that that alone, I don't know. I don't know what my last name is. Lily was my great great grandmaster slave master. You know, slave master's name that they gave us. Yeah, you know, we don't know our history, bro. We don't. We don't know our culture. We were forced, and we, you know, we we didn't literally come over on a boat. <laughs> you know, that's another thing too. And yeah. even when we got our freedom, we still had to fight for our freedom. They they we had poll tax. They made us, you know, you had Jim Crow. You had to where it was impossible to to own a farm because you stayed in debt. And if you question that you were in debt, okay, we'll just lynch your ass. You like it. it our generation is the frustration from all of that. You've never been in a position to where it's only certain restaurants you can go to. Uh, you got to walk 10 miles to take a shit because you can't use the white restroom or you got to go to use the out. Like, I never experienced that, but that, that pain is passed down my, my, my bloodline. Yeah. We, like, you get tired after a while. And you just expect that shit just to get swept under the rug. I think that's a big issue, too. It's not that... And we hate white people. Is just don't be uncomfortable to have a situ- had a had that conversation about what happened in the past. I think folks just try to sweep that shit under the rug like it wasn't yeah. a big deal. And that's where that disconnect comes from. Like if white lives didn't matter, then I don't know where the fuck this country would be. <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs>
all of that shit. So it's the it's that that generations that were passed down the confusion, you know, on top of excuse me, on top of everything else. And it's like we just want, like I said, we just want that piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to work twice as hard, but still be called lazy. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, why why do I even have to work twice as hard to get the same recognition? Exactly. And we don't need mother. And at the same time, we don't need motherfuckers on that I don't see color shit. That's bullshit. Like, see my color, because I see your color, but just see me as a man, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, and I feel like a lot of folks would benefit from, from fuck, just sitting down and having, like, a simple conversation like this, because there's so much to... To unpack, like we we could fucking be at this all goddamn day. Unfortunately, we uh, we have, we have another episode. We have like a full episode we're gonna record, and then at two yeah. o'clock we have another fucking interview. Gotta <laughs> get a nap in in between too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might try that. Um, but no, I guess. Uh, I hate to wrap this up, but we yeah, I, I really hate this to because it's been, been sick, but. We could do it again sometime down the line. We just got to make some time. We'll we'll make it happen. Ain't no thing, man. Ain't no thing. But y'all just, you know, keep doing this shit. Keep pushing what y'all doing. It's it's needed, you know, for the entire entire world, you know. Keep pushing this shit y'all doing. And if y'all need anything, let me know. Thank you. Um, Um, Keep doing what you're doing, man. I love love everything I've heard so far. I I cannot stress enough how it's nice outside. It's a phenomenal album. Thank you, bro. Thank you. We got a lot, got a long way to go. We got a lot more dope shit coming out, so we're gonna keep y'all posted. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. shit was dope, though. This shit was dope for so. Um, I guess before we really call it a uh, day, do you have anything that you really want to plug, like your Twitter or show? Like yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll act like a rapper now. So y'all could uh, follow me on Twitter. That's at Danti Lily. That's all lowercase. Um, find me on Facebook. I'm not active on there. I just let my mom see my face and shit. You can follow me though. <laughs> um, what else? Instagram. That's my name's Anti. Make sure y'all follow the label. Uh, that's Don'tSleep.com. Make sure y'all follow these guys. Keep up with they move. It's the Tangerine Pie Chat. You know, shout out to all my family, my girl, my people. It's nice outside. We got no music, no videos, no moves on the way. Uh, you know, just stay with us. <laughs>